And we're going to talk about Jesus this morning, John chapter number 6, as we have been walking through the Gospel of John now. And it's been almost six months that we've been here. We're coming up on six months here, what, next week? I think next week. Because we're almost through the month of August, and we got here March 1st. So it's hard to believe in some ways that it's been that long, and in other ways it doesn't seem like it's been that long at all. Hopefully you all go with the latter of that. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. Hopefully you're not sitting there like, oh man, he's only been here six months. It feels like it's been longer. Anyway, John chapter number six this morning, and we're going to look at Jesus as the bread of life. And this is the first of, I believe it's six I am statements that Jesus makes in the gospel of John. And this morning in our text, we'll Look at the verse here, John 6, 35, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The bread of life. So we're going to talk this morning about Jesus, the bread of life, and we're going to take as our text from verses 30 down through verse number 36. But in order to kind of get some of the context of what's happening here, we're going to uh, jump up several verses and read some verses that we covered not last week, but the week before. Last week we had Brother Graham in, and so it's been two weeks ago when we were looking at these verses. But in verse number 22 here of chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, it says, The day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there save the one whereinto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit, there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread, after that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou thither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, And giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. So, of course, several weeks ago we looked at the miracle that Jesus performed for this this group of people, this crowd of people. 
And if we were to go back to the beginning of John chapter number 6 and look at the text, we would find that a great crowd had gathered to hear what Jesus had to say. The noise of what Jesus had been doing in that area had been spreading. And there was a growing crowd that had gathered. And Jesus and his disciples, they had taken a boat and they had gone across the Sea of Galilee. And we found in the beginning there of John chapter 6 that the purpose was... Jesus' desire was to give the disciples a break. And so they'd gone into this desert area to be by themselves, and it wasn't very long. The people had outrun them and actually gotten around the Sea of Galilee before Jesus and the disciples even made it across. And so they're going for a break, but they get off of the boat, and there's already people there. There's already people waiting for them. So the break that they were desiring, the break that they were seeking after, never really materialized. And Jesus began to teach them, and nighttime grew on, and there was a large crowd of people in a desert place. And, you know, they didn't have a gas station that they could stop at or a a grocery store that they could feed 5,000-plus people at. They didn't have a Costco that they could go to, you know, hit the food court real quick. And so Jesus... He asked the disciples what they were going to do. And he used that opportunity to grow the disciples' faith, to show the, display the power that he had as God, that he has as God. And so, you know, we talked the last time that we were in this text, we had talked about the miracle of Jesus walking on the water and how he used that to also build the disciples' faith. And then the last time we talked, that passage that we read there, those few verses where Jesus told them that the works that they ought to work were to believe on him. But really, all those verses that we read, this is all one encounter. You know, they, they get up the next day, they notice that Jesus is gone, and they were really impressed that Jesus had made them food. I don't know if it was the best bread that they had ever had, but it's pretty, um, you know, that'd be pretty neat to see happen, to see five loaves and two fishes become so much food that you can feed over 5,000 people and have 12 baskets remaining. That's pretty impressive, especially in a culture where food was more difficult to obtain. We have refrigerators. We can go down to the grocery store, and we have the modern convenience of boxed meals and things like this. Not that it's necessarily better, but food is more readily available in our society and in our culture. We feel, uh, you know, if we have a bad harvest, we don't really feel it, right? Most of you, if you have a bad harvest in your garden this year, uh, we, we did a little planter box, and it's been an absolute flop. We have gotten nothing from it. In fact, most of the plants have died. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, I'm still eating. I haven't lost weight. I'm doing okay, because we live in a society where I'm not 100% dependent on what I grow in my garden, right? In Jesus' day, they were a little bit more dependent upon that kind of thing. Without refrigerators and freezers and all this kind of thing, they were a little more dependent upon food. And so the fact that Jesus had multiplied bread before their eyes was something that had really caught their attention. They had come around the sea again, and they find Jesus, and they had this question for Jesus, you know, how did you get here? We didn't see how you got here. We don't understand how you made it across the the lake. We were watching. And they're quickly distracted once again. Jesus had 
made this judgment of them in verse 26. We read it a little bit ago. Jesus' judgment of them, he said, Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. So they were really, really focused on the bread. They were really focused on the physical here. And that's what we're going to talk about. That's why Jesus, in the passage that we have for this morning from verses 30 to 36, Jesus compares himself, refers to himself as the bread of life. So the first thing that we'll notice this morning is the blindness of the crowd. The blindness of the crowd. In verse number 30, we find they were blind and they didn't believe. Verse number 30, they said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see? And believe thee. What dost thou work? Now Jesus had just told them that they ought to work the works of God. That the work of God was to believe on him. So now they're asking Jesus. They're saying, Jesus, we'll prove it. Why should we believe on you? We need to see a sign. You, you see that there in verse number 30, right? What sign showest thou that we may believe on you? Oh, whoa, whoa. hold up a second. Rewind with me a little bit, right? Why are they seeking Jesus? Why did they run around the Lake of Galilee? You know, that's not just a short journey. It was several miles across. You know, if a lake is two, three miles across, we can all extrapolate this, right? To walk around on the shore, that's several miles of walking. I, I don't know exactly. Maybe eight, nine, ten miles of walking to get around that lake. Or even to go on ship, you know, that's not a, a short journey. They didn't have motorboats. They couldn't hop in with like a 200 horsepower engine and boom, right across the lake. They had to row or they had to wait on the wind. This was a journey of some time. But they were seeking Jesus because of the bread. They were seeking Jesus because he had done something that they had never seen done before. And now they're asking him, Jesus, what sign? What sign are you going to show that we may see and believe? What dost thou work? They're asking Jesus for more proof. They say, Jesus, you know, that was really neat what you did, but we want to see more before we'll be willing to believe. They didn't believe that Jesus was truly from God. Which is interesting because prior to this, after the miracle of the loaves and the fishes... You'll remember they wanted to make Jesus the king. They had, they had even said, now we believe that thou art that prophet. They had started to believe. They'd started to think, oh yeah, you know, Jesus is somebody who should be our king. He's someone impressive. He's someone who's from God. But it seems like now they've completely flip-flopped. They've, they've gone back on what they thought. And now they're asking Jesus to prove it. Jesus, prove it. What dost thou work? In verse number 31, they say, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they pointed back in history to the days when Moses was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And you'll remember that after they came out of Egypt, God began raining manna from heaven. He began giving them literally their daily bread. And every morning they would get up, and they would open their tent door, they would walk outside, and there on the ground would be this manna, as they referred to it. And they were to gather that every single day, except for the day before the Sabbath day, they would gather a double amount, 
And God would hold that over the Sabbath day so they didn't have to go gather on the Sabbath day. And God provided for them their daily bread. So they point back in history to this. And it's interesting because it would seem from the text that they're believing that the manna was a miracle that Moses had performed. In some sense, they seem to associate that this was a sign that proved that Moses was the one who was supposed to lead the children of Israel in that day. They were magnifying what had happened then, and they're minimizing what Jesus has just done. They're saying, well, basically, Jesus, nice trick. You know, you fed a few thousand people. Moses fed two million people every day for like 40 years. Come on, we want to see what signs you have. We want to see something impressive. We're not impressed. Jesus, is basically what these people are saying. Jesus, we want proof that you are who you say you are. They didn't believe. You know, it's really very similar. It's a lot the same today. There are many people in our world, in fact, the majority of people in our world do not believe in Jesus. The majority of people in our world do not believe in in the Jesus of the Bible. They do not believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be. There are many, many religions out there who are okay with the the general idea of Jesus as a good man or as a nice teacher, but the vast majority of people do not believe that Jesus is God and that he is the only way of salvation. You know, even still, many people today, they believe The Bible and the things of God are all a lie. Many people today explain away their existence, the existence of the world, the wonder, the order of creation. They explain away the belief of the existence of God and the moral law that is written on their heart, that is planted deep within them. They explain away the existence of the Bible and the truth of who Jesus is. They dismiss the mountain of evidence that God has given and they desire more. They say things like, well, if God was real, he would prove it. He would do something to to display that he's real. May I submit to you that God has done everything that is necessary to prove to us that he is real. Culminating in the fact that he sent Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to die upon a cross for your sins and for mine. There's been lots of people who have actually set out to disprove God, to disprove the Bible, and to prove how false and foolish it is. And when they begin to examine with an open mind, with a true heart, they begin to examine the mountain of evidence. There's been numerous people who have come to the realization, oh, God is real. I've been wrong in disbelieving all of this for so long. There is more than enough evidence To prove to us that God is real, that the Bible is true, and that Jesus is the only way of salvation. There was more than enough evidence for this crowd there that day. Jesus had done everything that was necessary to prove that he was the Messiah. Jesus was being very gracious to them. These signs, these miracles that he was performing were like the icing on the cake of prophecies fulfilled. That these Jewish folks, these that were steeped in the Bible who knew the truths of God, they should have seen immediately, this is the Messiah. And you know what? There were those 
for whom that happened. John the Baptist, those that followed after him, they saw that Jesus was real, that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed. But the crowd here this day, they did not believe. They were blind. Not only did they not believe, but they were focused on the physical. And I believe this played a lot into why they didn't believe, but they were focused on the physical. You know what really concerned them here was bread. That was the big thing to them, that they ate physical bread. And they were so focused on the physical that they wanted Jesus to provide bread for them every single day. They wanted Jesus to give them their daily bread, literally, physically. They wanted like, to wake up and there be manna on the ground again. That's what they were seeking after. Jesus points out some flaws in their thinking, though. In verse number 32, Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Truly, truly, Jesus is trying to get their attention. He's trying to get them to pay attention. He's telling them what I'm getting ready to say. You might find controversial, but it's the truth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. It wasn't Moses that gave them that bread. And this is why I said earlier, it would seem that their trust was in Moses somehow. That Moses had done this miracle. Oh, Moses didn't make the manna come from heaven. That was God. But Jesus goes on there. He says, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. My Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. They were 100% focused on physical bread and physical needs. And Jesus was revealing to them that there was far more valuable and necessary bread for them. The true bread from heaven. That God had, that God had sent. That God giveth you the true bread from heaven. Giveth. That means that it was accessible, it was available for them, and it's something that God's going to continue giving, this true bread from heaven. But you'll notice their response in verse number 34. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. It, it still wasn't sinking in, right? Jesus is talking about bread, and they're still, they're seeing a cinnamon roll in front of them. I don't know, maybe you like cinnamon rolls. Picture your favorite type of bread. That's, that's what they're focused on. They're like, hey, this is really cool. Jesus, give us ever more of this bread. We want it. Come on. Yeah, I mean, hey, I want to wake up every morning and there be fresh, break, fresh baked bread right in my, my kitchen ready to go. I can just, mm, and I don't have to do any work. That's, that's great. Jesus, give us this bread ever more. We want this true bread from heaven. They were stuck thinking that Jesus is talking about manna and physical bread. They wanted Jesus to evermore give them this bread. But I want you to think about this. Dead people don't need bread. Right? Our church building is not fully surrounded, but on two sides, it's surrounded by a cemetery. You know, I, I haven't been here all that long, but I have noticed those people out there, they don't need bread. 
They don't require bread. They don't ask for bread. It, it is something that is beyond the scope of their needs. You see, the people here in Jesus' day, they were, they were seeking after physical bread. Yes, all of us, we're alive. We need bread, physically speaking. Right, we need food to sustain our bodies. Without food, we won't live for all that long. Now, most of us are fairly well-nourished people, and we could go, you know, a sustained period of days and weeks without food and still make it. However, even if we can go, you know, three, four weeks, you're really going to start getting hungry and weak and tired by the time you get through three or four weeks. And eventually, all of us are going to reach a point where without food, we can no longer live. However, these people were so focused on the physical that they were missing who was there. They were missing Jesus. They were missing the fact that they were dead people spiritually. They needed the bread of life. They needed to be given life before they could partake of this spiritual bread. They were so focused on the physical, that which is fleeting and gone. You know, these folks had eaten the day before from Jesus. I don't know, maybe some of them hadn't eaten since. Their tummies were rumbling and growling. You know, it's getting close on to lunchtime now. I'm hungry. I normally eat around noon. And so my body starts telling me right around 11 normally that, it, hey, it's getting close to time to eat. Have you thought about that? Have you made preparations? Because my body likes to eat. So these people, you know, they're just like us. They were focused on the physical. Most people do not believe that they need to be rescued from their wickedness and their sin. You know, these folks on this day, they were good Jewish people. Most of them, they probably followed the law and the Ten Commandments. They probably tried to live according to the Old Testament, the rituals and the sacrifices and these kind of things. And so they thought, hey, we're good. You know what we really need in life? We need a king to come and to kick these Romans out of the land. We need freedom. We need the kingdom of Israel established. That's really what we need. You know, you talk to Jewish people today, that's what they'll tell you. They'll tell you that they need the kingdom of Israel to be established once again. They need the invaders to be kicked out of the land for the nation of Israel to, you know, assume all of its power and boundaries once again. That's what they're looking for. Even today, they're not looking for the Messiah. Even today, they think that they don't really need rescued, spiritually speaking. Most people today, they want, if they want Jesus at all, they want Jesus to come and enhance their life. They want to come and say, well, you know, just, I just want to add a little bit of Jesus into my life. I don't want Jesus to have reign and rule over my life. I don't want to do everything that Jesus tells me to do, but I want Jesus to come in and, you know, fix my problems. I want Jesus to come in and enhance my life, make it better. I want Jesus to come in and pay my bills. I want Jesus to come in, you know, for these people, bake me bread, make it show up every day. It's not necessarily wrong to want things uh, to be smoother and easier in this life, but if we're not careful, we'll be just like these folks on this day. 
and so many people in our world are, they miss who Jesus is because they're focused on the here and now and the physical. So the, we see the blindness of the crowd in that they didn't believe and they were focused on the physical. But second of all, we'll see the bread of God. The bread of God. It's not a real complex outline this morning, but this is really what we want to focus on. Jesus is using this illustration. He's using this analogy to try to get their attention. He talks about the bread of God, that he is the bread of God. First, we'll see the source of this bread. The source of this bread. Jesus tells us here in the passage that this bread is from heaven. Verse 32, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. The true bread comes from heaven. The source of Jesus Christ, the source of this true bread, this bread that satisfies spiritually, this bread that makes alive, this bread that transforms us from darkness to light, this bread is from heaven. Jesus is telling them that he is this true bread. Verse number 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus is that bread of God which cometh down from heaven. So we see the source of this bread, but then let's notice the power of this bread. The power of this bread. Jesus said that this bread giveth life unto all the world. Verse 33. It giveth life unto all the world. And that's a powerful piece of bread. I've never eaten bread that gave me life. Now, I've eaten bread that helped me be sustained for a little while, right? In fact, I had a piece of bread this morning. I was, I was baking it here. Some of you ladies smelled it yesterday morning. Our oven is out at the moment, and we're waiting on the repairman to come and take a look at it. And so I'd been wanting to make a loaf of bread, and I brought it here, and I was baking it. I had a piece of that bread this morning, and it was good. And, you know, it helped sustain me. It's probably helping me stand up here and not fall over or something. But it hasn't lasted real long. Yeah. I can feel that it's about gone. My body's telling me that it needs some more. For these folks there that Jesus is talking to, right, they had eaten the bread that Jesus had multiplied, but it was gone. It was long gone by now. And they're seeking after more bread. But Jesus says that he is the true bread. The bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. That's powerful bread. Bread that giveth life. See, we talked about how dead people don't need bread. The people there on Jesus' day that he's speaking to, they didn't need more bread. I mean... They do, but that's not really what they needed from Jesus. They didn't need Jesus to come and to just give them manna every day. You know what the end of that is? If Jesus had fulfilled their wishes and said, Okay, evermore I'm going to give you that bread that I gave you yesterday. 
You know what would have happened to them? They would have died. Just like they did. Right? They would have eaten of the bread that Jesus made and multiplied. And eventually they would have gotten to a point in their life where they were old enough that they passed on. Without Jesus as the bread, they would have passed on dead in their trespasses and sins. They didn't need Jesus to make them physical bread. They needed the bread that giveth life unto all the world. The world needs life. Verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. The bread of life. It's clear that Jesus is, he's speaking beyond normal bread. The bread of life. The bread that giveth life. The bread that makes those that are dead alive. You know, many people today do not realize that they are dead in their trespasses and sins. These people on this day, they thought that they were okay. They thought that because they were religious, they were good. Jesus was the one that they were looking for. He was the one that they claimed to be seeking for, but when he came, they didn't believe. Because he did things differently than they assumed he would. They thought they already knew. But you know, people in this life, and even you and I, if we're not careful, people are hungry. Spiritually speaking, people are hungry. You can see it all throughout our society. You can see it all throughout our world. People are hungry. People look for different religions. And, you know, there's all kinds of religions out there. There's everything under the sun. It covers the whole spectrum. From people who say that they are atheists or agnostics, that is a religion in and of itself, the religion of man, all the way to, you know, different religions of this world. And people try to fill the, the spiritual hunger in that way. Other people will try to quench their spiritual hunger in things of this life. Thinking that, hey, you know, if I just seek after pleasure and fulfillment in things and experiences and money, that will quench my spiritual hunger. Other people will seek after different things to try to fill the void that is in their heart. But there is only one bread that satisfies. You know, some pregnant ladies, they get cravings. My wife, I don't think she's had any really super cravings. But you know, when I'm, I've never been pregnant before. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of sad and crazy. And on, a, on another hand, it's not really surprising in our day and age that you have to say that. But there's only two genders. There's only male and female. God created them male and female. You can find that in the book of Genesis. Only, only ladies can get pregnant. I've never experienced that, but I have, I have had cravings before. I like me some pizza, especially if it's good pizza. And my wife can attest to this. When I want pizza, we're eventually going to get it. Because, you know, I might try to eat something else, but if I have a craving for pizza, there's, I don't forget about it. I don't know what it is about me, but I don't forget about that. 
And eventually, we're going to get pizza that satisfies that craving. And you know, it's a silly example, but there are people all over our world that are trying to fill the void that is missing in their life. Jesus, relationship with God, being made alive spiritually, being transformed from dead in their trespasses and sins to being made alive in Jesus Christ. And you know, you can try to plug all sorts of things into that hole, and it will never, ever satisfy. Jesus is the only thing that will satisfy. He is the only one who will satisfy your hunger. Moses and the Israelites ate of the bread from heaven, the manna that God sent. But you know what? They were never satisfied. Their hunger was never quenched. Those on this day that were speaking to Jesus, that's what they wanted. They wanted manna. Jesus says, oh no. You guys are looking for the wrong thing. You don't need manna like Moses and the Israelites had back in that day. What you need is the bread of life. What you need is me. Not only that, Jesus quenches thirst. He says there in verse number 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Shall never thirst. You know, physical bread, it doesn't quench thirst. Have you noticed that? You eat a piece of bread, it does not satisfy your thirst. I mean, even if it's really good, moist bread, it doesn't satisfy thirst. In fact, most of the times, bread makes you more thirsty. Jesus says he's the bread of life. Not only does he make it so that you'll never hunger again, but if you believe on him, you'll never thirst. Jesus quenches thirst as the bread of life. You know, the people on this day, they were seeking for Jesus to give them something that was fleeting and temporary. That would last one day at best, but they were missing who Jesus was, who Jesus is. You'll notice there in verse 36, Jesus' sad reply to them, But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. You know, they came to Jesus in verse number 30 and they said, Jesus, we want to see something that we might believe. Jesus' judgment of them here in verse 36, you have seen me. You have seen me and believe not. You know, many people today, they'll get a glimpse of who Jesus is and want nothing to do with it. Why? Because they're seeking after the bread of this life. They're seeking after fulfillment and pleasure. If you and I will come to Jesus, it necessarily requires that we give up some things of this life. Now, you, you can't have Jesus and do your own thing, and go your own way, and live your own life. No, you have to recognize that you need the bread of life. You have to recognize that you are dead in your trespasses and sins and in need of a Savior. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Him, you've never repented of your sins and come to Him for salvation, 
may I ask you this morning, why not? Come and receive of the bread of life. The bread that Jesus offers satisfies like nothing you've ever experienced. You know, this morning, though, if you're here and you say, well, I have. I have tasted of the bread of life. You know, this morning, may we not be foolish as Christians. May we not partake of the bread of life and then be so foolish as to turn away and go back to the world seeking for fulfillment. May we not partake of the bread that Jesus says, if you partake of this, you'll never hunger and never thirst again and be foolish enough to say, well, I tasted, so I'm good. And forget the source of the bread that we so need. You know, I'm looking forward to the day when I don't have to deal with this body, with this flesh, with this old man anymore. Because he tells me all kinds of lies. He talks to me and tells me things that aren't true a lot. I have to keep coming back to God's Word and reminding myself, remembering, what am I worried about? What am I looking for? I have everything that I need in Jesus Christ. Why am I hungering and thirsting after other things? How foolish. This morning, may we come to Him and find what Jesus said, it's actually true. When we come to Him, the bread of life, we truly come to Him. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. This morning, have you found the bread of life? Have you found that Jesus satisfies like nothing else? Oh, don't seek after the things of this life. Don't seek after the things of this world. Don't be foolish like those on this day. Now we're so caught up in the physical things. Oh, well, life would just be great if this would be fixed or this would... No. We need to get our eyes off of the physical things. Get them on to Jesus. Get them on to the bread of life and the satisfaction that He brings. This morning, have you found the bread of life? As the pianist comes...